Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This is Blue White Illustrated. We are live, which makes everything incredibly convenient. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitz, Nate Bauer with me today. Uh, maybe a single generation of greatness here? I don't know. You guys aren't millennials, are you? Fitz, you're not a millennial, are you? You look like you're Nate's right on the edge. I'm going to office for that. I'm 39, so like maybe. Uh, I'm <laughs> young at heart. I'll say that. Well, that's, that's perfect. I, I think we'll just leave it with that. That's what's coming up this weekend, and that's what we're talking about. Penn State football takes on UMass, but it's homecoming, generations of greatness. There's a lot of fun stuff going around with this game. We're going to be talking about all of that, including uh, James Franklin's comments from last night and a report of practice, what we saw, what was interesting, all of which you can read at bluewhiteillustrated.com right now. Get the full in-depth details of what fits and Nate found yesterday, even the stuff that maybe we won't talk about here on the show. But coming up at the end... You take center stage. It is the BWI mailbag. We go out uh, for the week the right way, which is getting your thoughts and questions on the air. So drop those in the chat. We have uh, a good amount of room today in the mailbag for you here in the chat. So if you want to donate to the channel, that's always helpful for me to see your question and your comment. Know that it's for the mailbag, uh, but we'll be taking your questions uh, regardless. Guys, just opening statements here on the show. Um, Nate, how do you feel about the team coming out of the bye week into the second half stretch? I know we have this like non-conference game to start before 
final Big Ten tests are looming. Yeah. But this is also still coming out of the halfway point. How do you feel about where the Nittany Lions are, maybe compared to where they have been in the recent years heading into this kind of stretch run that always seems to uh, be the the critical part of the season is what I guess I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, well, two things. One, when you said opening statement, I thought you were going to give me an opportunity to complain about, uh, about reporters. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you that in opportunity their, in a little bit. Uh, living, in their mother's, living in their mother's basements. Uh, <laughs> no, so, hold on. I don't get, don't get in trouble. He did say the fan on the internet that creates the drama is in his mother's basement, not the reporter. So Jim Franklin, if there's anything he's proven this week, he's a stickler for what he actually said. So I just want to protect that's you a, from uh, yeah, being flamethrowered on the internet. I uh, I have a house. I have a house. It's a, <laughs> it's a great place. Um, no, so where's where's Penn State right now? Uh, you know, look, I think that I think that certainly from a statistical standpoint, they have done everything as expected. Right, defensively, they they have dominated. I think that it is uh, absolutely essential to point out that the offenses that Penn State has faced thus far this season are inept. They are worse than inept. They are bad. Um, and so, to be honest with you, I think that UMass, even if it's just in spurts, gives them something, right, in terms of uh, what James Franklin talked about on Tuesday about them being one of the more explosive offenses that they've faced. At least it's something. At least it's something to keep you on your toes. Um, you know, and then offensively, I think, yeah, I, I think that it is. Uh, it remains to be seen. Right. It, it, we have not seen the full assortment of uh, Penn State's arsenal, right, in terms of the receivers and working with Drew Aller. And we haven't really seen uh, from Nick Singleton and Catron Allen yet uh, their full capabilities from last year. So it's it's uh, it's to be determined. It's to to be written uh, for those guys on that side of the ball. Fitz, uh, what about from kind of a feel good holistic standpoint? Where are they? in your opinion, heading into a critical stretch run in a year that everyone expects them to really for real this time, but seriously contend for a big 10 championship. I mean, really it, it couldn't set up better for this run. I mean, in terms of coming off the bye week, we're not going to hear about James Franklin's record after buys because it's UMass. Like that's kind of awesome. Like I I'm very happy to avoid that storyline this week. <laughs> um, so, and it's a nice night. I mean, it's what you want. It's a, and, 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 I say I'm going to preface this with all all due respect to Don Brown and UMass like that they I think they know what they are and Penn State knows what they are and this is a game that you get in get out get on with it stay upright um the weather does not look fun at all like that looks just like miserable like northwestern last year miserable um but other than that like stay up stay up, and get through it and use this as it is as a tune up for Ohio State like we can talk about Ohio State they prep for Ohio State during the bye week there are things that you know, all, all the things point to Ohio state. So like, it's okay to talk about that. We're not in the one and no mentality here. We're not yeah. beholden to the one and no um, mentality, but uh, yeah, you've got to use that as like, this is a, I don't, I don't want to say it's strategically scheduled because this game was scheduled a long time ago and the big 10 schedule was not, but like it lands pretty well for Penn state. Like this is a chance for them to tune up and get, get their timing down. I think that mm -hmm. that's really one big thing in the run game so far this year is, you know, one guy's off and then all of a sudden that guy runs into Nick Singleton or that guy, yep. you know, drags down Katron Allen. Um, you know, you, you got to button that up essentially before you go to Columbus, because those defenders are bigger, faster and stronger than, than what you've seen pretty much so far across the board. I was still a very good defense. Like I know Penn state did 
kind of what they wanted to do with Iowa and just smothered them. But like Iowa was still a pretty good defense. Um, but you're not going to see the athlete that you see next weekend. For sure. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of the I guess the the point of this week and the point of last week is it all is setting up for that game against Ohio State and whether or not they get to the game. Next week, they have their best opportunity to beat Ohio State in a long time because of that, the health of the team, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's setting up very well for Penn State to win that game, meaning the game against Michigan later, you know, you want to win that game, but you need to get one of those two. So uh, this week is very important because of next week. Uh, what's very important for me right now is to tell you that uh, this show is one of the most follically impressive shows on the internet. Lots of dudes on here that have great beards. And Nate, I apologize for not including you in this. But the reason I'm talking about that is Caldera Lab took a look at our faces and went, yeah, the skin cream is important, but let's get these guys the beard stuff. So Caldera Lab is here with their fall October uh, packages. And I'm going to say this right now. Get Caldera Lab, use the promo code BWI to get 20% off your first purchase. And if you are like me and Fitz and you have a beard and it is a part of your personality like me, you want to check out their October beard serum because if you're put if you're putting on your flannel, you're probably putting on your uh, you're growing your hair out and you're growing your beard out. So they have this new beard serum that I can show you right here. I have actually opened it up and used it already this week because I was getting a little dry. Again, premium products from Caldera. They are uh, unbelievably sustainably sourced, and uh, they're all natural products, which has to pass muster in my house or I'd just be lying to you, and I wouldn't be using these products. My wife is a zero-tolerance policy for natural products. So Caldera Labs, they they um, they passed the test. Fitz, what about you? How about you and your uh, your household with Caldera? Still waiting on the beard cream, which uh, I'm always in search of the perfect beard cream. I'm sure Caldera stuff is great, but I've been using their face wash and their under eye stuff. Um, you know, me as a very pampered individual, you know, not rugged at all. Um, no, I, I've used it and I've liked it a lot. It's it's really good. Um, I took it on my trip uh, with me this weekend. Like it's it has become a part of the travel staple as well. So I uh, appreciate them uh, sponsoring us, but it's it's good stuff. It's uh, I'm, I'm shiny and radiant for a reason here. Uh, they also great. have. They Thanks, have bud. the shaving elixir as well. So even if you don't want to shave your beard, you don't want to use some of the other products, uh, you can use this, you know, of course, the 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 old uh, ingrown hair on the neck from the straight razor. Never fun. Using a, a good shaving elixir is always good. And Nate, they do have they have products for, for clean shaven people as well. So promo code BWI for 20% off. You are not going to get a better deal than that uh, anywhere on the Internet. And by the way, I love the science here. 94% of men's skin shows overall younger looking, healthier appearance after using Caldera Lab for a few weeks. So it is really good stuff. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
really good stuff from you guys is what you get, which you gather at practice. Uh, so let's get into practice observations from yesterday. The Nittany Lions um, getting ready for this game against UMass, but also, like I said, the second half of the season. Nate, you were with the defense. Let's start with you. Um, yep. What were your observations? Any interesting nuggets coming out of uh, last night? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I have not been with the defense, right? So we kind of swapped roles a little bit this week. Uh, but it was all turnover generation, right? It was all it was all interception stuff uh, for everybody. Um, they obviously eventually got into uh, their tackling and ball security, or excuse me, um, like fumble recovery type stuff as well. But uh, I, I did think, you know, the way that Anthony Poindexter was kind of riding his safeties for uh, needing to not just be in position to make a play, but then to capture it, right, to, to finish the play and, and make that interception, I thought was, um, you know, some, somewhat intriguing. But I'm, I'm burying the lead here. The the We're always looking for personnel stuff, right? And yeah. so uh, Jameel Lyons was back on the defensive side of the ball, defensive end that... Uh, obviously played in the first two games for Penn State, you know, a, a depth piece, but still one that uh, I think Penn State has in its plans moving forward at minimum uh, to, to use up his four games and potentially more depending on how the rest of the season plays out. The, especially with how he was used early in the season, we had the conversation he got in for one snap against the team yep. previously. So um, probably been holding him back a little bit, maybe saving one of his games for this week. Um so I think that's a big part of this the the conversation as well as depth players you might expect to see in the game, which we can get to in a little bit here on the show when we talk when we preview the game. Fits on offense. Uh, what were your observations you want to share? And by the way, once again, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up right now, get all of their insights last night, so you don't have to wait for the show in the morning to hear some of them, and you get them in their uh, complete form. So sign up at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Fits. What what do you want to share? Before I forget this point that you just kind of made um, with the freshmen, like they're going to save some of those guys for down the stretch and not necessarily in a, in a, in like an every down position role. But like James Franklin said it last night, like they're going to save like two games for guys to play special teams at the end of the year. Like they think that might be important for a guy like Cam Wallace, maybe a guy like Andrew Rappel. Yeah. Kevion keys is a guy that, that like kind of the alarm goes off when I hear a comment like that. So like I think you'll see a bunch of those guys this weekend, but at the same time, you save them for the end, get them that special teams, that vital special teams experience that's it's really helped out, guys. I mean, if you're coming out and playing as a redshirt freshman, um, that little snippet of special teams work is really how you got there. So I think it, that that's important to say, and I was definitely going to forget it um, if you or if I let that one get away. So I'm ex excited to see those guys this weekend, but I think there's interest in that strategy of, of when do you use those guys down the stretch and how do you use those guys down the stretch and how does it, I guess, sort of, uh, springboard them into the off season. Cause the bowl game doesn't count like the postseason, whatever the postseason lies ahead for Penn state is not going to count. So you get those four games in any way that you know how, and it seems like, you know, special teams over the last uh, month of the season seems like a, a good way to go. So I just wanted to get that one out there in terms of offense. Didn't see JB Nelson. I think that's the, the main takeaway from everything. Yep. Uh, you know, this, he left the Northwestern game. Uh, it was not a practice last week. It was not a practice this week. Venga Ione, um, the guy that, uh, you know, is the, the, uh, obvious candidate to replace him at guard, but I think they're going to play around. I think they're going to put some other guys in there. James Franklin mentioned after practice last night that Caden Wallace has been repping through there. You could see Drew Shelton in a situation where he would be inside. Nick Dawkins, of course, is there. And and then, of course, the young kid, Anthony Donka, um, at guard as well. So I think you're going to have um, the opportunity to see more of those guys in there this this weekend. Dominic Rowley, um, 
more of a center, but like, does that, is that a situation where you see him playing around um, or moving somebody and sliding Dawkins over to guard, for example. So I think that that's an interesting thing. You're playing Trey Wallace highlights for a reason. Trey Wallace looked to be like full speed as you just see him running full speed, running a post pattern. Oh boy. Um, no, running. Oh. The, I mean, I can't like we've been beating this horse to death and beyond about how important Trey Wallace is to the passing game. Um, and hopefully we see that this week. Katron Allen, there you see on the video, if you're watching on the YouTube, smiling, um, having a good time. He, of course, missed a significant chunk of that Northwestern game as well. So uh, fresh faces coming back, com coming back off the bye week. Uh, unfortunately, no Nelson, but otherwise uh, seemed pretty solid. And then they finished uh, their drills in the open media session by eh, just chucking it downfield for the hell of it. So that was fun to watch. You and I, before we got there, we're over with the uh, the offensive line watching some one-on-ones. And again, go to bluewhiteillustrated.com for more of what we saw there. Um, I want to ask you about the conversation that I was, as soon as James Franklin said, yeah, we've been playing Caden Wallace a guard. That has been the Caden Wallace to guard, please, for two and a half years here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Um, just from a... Let's play with the chess pieces here for a second. If you if something else happens on the interior, do you think it is better to move your veteran tackle in and and let Drew Shelton play that position where maybe he's at his best, or do you put Shelton at guard? Which one of those two do you think is a a better um, path forward if Penn State has to go to the break glass in case of emergency with with the offensive line? Yikes. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one because uh, Drew Shelton was a guy that got reps there last year. So you would think that would, that would be the way that they go. But I think Wallace has the, you know, more of the body type we've been talking about him as potential guard. You know, I think if he goes pro, he's probably a guard. Um, yeah. So like he's got that body type. So you want to put him and you, you want to put him beside uh, Olu and see what happens. I think that would be an interesting combination there. I think anybody, you know, anybody beside Olu is going to be an interesting combination. By the way, Olu last night went up against Chop Robinson twice. And Chop is phenomenal. Like yeah. he is, he is awesome. He is a potential first round pick as an edge rusher because he's that good. He's that twitchy. He's he's that everything. Olu just swallowed him up twice, and it was like it was like one of those times when you're just sitting there laughing because it's 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 almost not fair against a guy that's a high level draft pick uh, prospect yeah. as well. So that was good. Uh, but back to your original question, I I, I don't know. I would I would say if James is going to come out and say Caden's been practicing there, then that that would be my like lean there to see him there but um i mean i i don't know hopefully it doesn't get to that yeah uh it's just interesting like seeing drew shelton up close and personal uh yesterday he was one of the players available to us in practice and it's like he's in the 310 pounds is what james franklin said it doesn't look like it like you look at olu you look at caden you look at like grown man strength of right. uh older offensive linemen drew is still <laughs> growing into his body so putting him at guard, um, especially Penn State seems to value size and power on the inside where sometimes you see offensive lines where they value that athleticism on the interior for certain schemes. They want some big dudes on the interior. Vega and Sal, they're all big physical dudes. So um, Shelton, I, you know, it's just it's just interesting looking at him and, and his his propensity for being a run blocker and thinking there's still so much room for development on his frame and obviously a, a, as a pass protector. So it's. It, it would be interesting either way if you try to slice that. The one thing I would say that I noticed was uh, Mike Yersich was feisty yesterday. He's always loud. He's always animated. He's always very specific with what he's saying. But there was much more of a zero tolerance policy, much less, I don't want to say much less coaching, but more uh, enthusiastic coaching of you have to be here with your route. You have to do this with the ball. 
drive the ball. Don't float the ball down the field for, you know, the quarterbacks. And just like the, the passing game, he talked about it in the bye week of like, we've got to get those things down. It sounds like the gloves are coming off. We've tried to be, you know, like instructive. We've tried to emphasize this, but now it's like you are getting uh, exclamation points from Mike Yersich, which he might do that uh, elsewhere in practice. We don't see it, but that's the first time I've seen him in a while, I guess, be very, 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 very animated instead of just very animated. Um, James Franklin's press conference starting yesterday. Nate, I want to come to you so that we can have this conversation again about what happened on Tuesday and then his yep. uh, statement to start Wednesday's press conference because he normally doesn't start with an opening statement, but he did yesterday because of the, um, I don't want to say misconstrued because it was just factually incorrect, his yep. point that he made about conference scheduling. So can you set this all up and explain what happened? I can try. It's a little convoluted, um, but he was asked about he was asked about scheduling, right? And so on Tuesday, this, th yeah, on Tuesday, and this is this is a ten year conversation at this point, right? Penn State, uh, Pitt, Penn State, big big name, right? Florida Auburn. State, whatever. Uh, all of all of these things that have been talked about over the last ten years. Basically, James Franklin from day one has been fairly clear and consistent in the notion that a nine game Big Ten schedule uh, makes it unappealing to schedule anyone with a pulse in the non-conference because there are, you, you need to win those games one, but two, uh, two, you need to have seven home games uh, and three, it does not help you in the, the college football playoff, right? Whatever the format has been, whether it's four game, four teams right now in the college football playoff or 12 that, that is upcoming. It is like strength of schedule is not actually part of the conversation. Winning yeah. all your games is that's it is just win all of your games. If you lose a game, that's okay too. Two, two, like two lost teams aren't going to make it. So one or zero losses and then just win all your games and you're, you're, you're going to make it in those formats. So uh, that is, effectively his position for the last 10 years Tuesday, he was asked about it and he said, look, uh, I don't think that's going to change with the 12 team playoff, right? That, like yeah. you're still, you're still going to want that. And then he pointed out that another team, and you know, uh, previous institution his, sort yes, of to, vibes to his miscredit, right? Like he, he doesn't specify sometimes. And in this case, he said there's another institution in the Big Ten that has been buying out of its marquee games in the non-conference, right? And yep. so that could have meant a couple of different teams. We've seen Ohio State has an example. Uh, Michigan has a couple of examples. Indiana has a couple mm -hmm. of examples of paying to get out of Power 5 matchups over the last few years. Michigan fans and maybe some blogs, you name it, got offended by that and said, hey, you're playing uh, a terrible team this weekend. You haven't played anybody in the non-conference, uh, as well as a few national reporters or at least one national reporter. Uh, and so that was that turned into this big whole thing. And James Franklin responded to it last night by saying, look, not only are you uh, – not getting right, like misconstruing what I'm saying, but also this is like the exact opposite of what my point is. And the point is it's a compliment to those teams. It is saying, look, this is what, this is what Penn state is trying to emulate. Penn state doesn't want to play marquee non-conference games and it's not going to change. It will continue to want to play games like UMass and Delaware 
into eternity as long as James Franklin is the head coach. So that's it. That's yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a whole lot of nothing other than I do think his intention last night on Wednesday night and what he said was to get in front of the notion that this is like bulletin board material for Ohio State or Michigan because yeah. it's not. It's it's the opposite of bulletin board material. It is hey. Uh, those guys, those ADs at, at Michigan and Ohio state, they scheduled correctly. They, they followed the blueprint and did this right. And they have reaped some of the rewards because of it. Yeah. And it, the, the question, I think we have a couple questions in the chat about maybe a future whiteout game against PAC former PAC 12 teams and, and fits like with the addition. And this is where it all started with the addition of these, um, other strong teams, teams that are historically good, um, I think this is the point that James Franklin is making is now you're playing more quality opponents. So your opportunity for losing two games goes up because Penn State plays a nine conference game schedule in, in the Big Ten. And when you're adding teams, it's not likely that you're going to play less conference games. So I guess the the, the follow up question is then like, um, it, it, is this just kind of switching out six for half a dozen, you know, like it just in the vernacular of the sentence of you're still going to be competing against uh, a strong schedule and it's not two losses anymore uh, against Michigan and Ohio State, but now you've got to factor in Oregon and Washington, et cetera. Yes. I mean, you, you look at the home schedules for the next couple of years and there's, you know, I, I don't want to say there's always going to like it, for, for years, it's been Ohio State or Michigan and then everybody else like you've got you know, Auburn's nice to, to pop up on the schedule. Uh, you know, your whiteout game was Western or was Iowa this year, West Virginia. So a couple of second tiers, but I mean, you never know how good these teams are going to be. And, you know, Michael Penix leaves Washington is that, you know, what, what kind of team does he leave behind next year? But Washington's still in my eyes, at least a marquee game on that schedule. Uh, mm -hmm. you go to 2025, you go, I mean, Iowa, Michigan state, Ohio state, UCLA, like Rutgers is there as well, but like, this is not like every other, you know, we've gotten into the schedule where you get used to Rutgers, you get used to Maryland, you get used to Indiana. And, you know, because you're playing in the divisions, you know, that's the good part of that division. Of course, the complete flip side is that division is keeping you out of the playoff for now. Um, but no, I think it's it, it's going to be a situation where your focus is entirely on that conference schedule. We'll see if they go to 10 games. I, I, don't, I don't think they go to 10 games like in the immediate future but like I, I know it's been on the table for a while so mm -hmm. um I, I don't know man like it's uh it, it's going to be a situation where you find yourself with a quality opponent for a whiteout and it's going to be different and then tv's going to muck it all up <laughs> essentially <laughs> you're going to find yeah. yourself in a noon kick with uh with a team that you thought was a was a marquee opponent so i, th I think they'll play it kind of just like they did this year you know they're uh, iowa for what iowa is was a focus game on the schedule. I don't want to say a marquee game, but it was a focus game. Like Penn State fans got that schedule and said, all right, we're going to circle this one. Remember 2021 in, in, in Iowa City or whatever. So I think there's going to be a lot of those focus games that are just, you know, second tier, but, you know, still pretty fun whiteout games. Uh, and to Nate, I'm going to steal your point and provide a little context of 12-team uh, playoff, more opportunities, right? That's great. Uh, it's still 17.6% of the 68 teams that are realistically in the college football playoff conversation. So this is not baseball. I don't know the number specifically, but like football, like NFL is getting close to 30% of the league makes uh, the playoffs. And that's, you know, a much you, you can afford uh, to lose two games in September or October if you're a football team, because it's not, it's not 4% 
of uh, all teams that play football. You you have to you're still aiming for very few losses in uh, in college football. Most of the major sports, right? The the, the sports that have playoffs have between thirty five and forty five percent of their participants, their regular season participants, that make the playoffs, that reach the playoffs in some capacity. College football is the complete aberration. Even even college basketball uh, is, is way off, right? I, for a long time, when people started talking about 96 teams, it was like, oh my goodness, how can you possibly damage this? It's because it's not representative enough. There, there, You are not given enough opportunities uh, to reach the postseason. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But I, I do think that, uh, that Penn State under James Franklin and now with Pat Kraft behind him uh, are like, all in on mm-hmm. hey do not schedule do not play those games they do not help you there's yeah. no world where it's like oh you put because you played lsu and florida state as two of your three non-conference games and lost both of them that were somehow going to forgive a third loss or that were that even two losses you could have two non-conference out of losses win your conference and still not make the playoff under those circumstances it's yeah. nonsense yeah uh, any other final thoughts, Nate, from James Franklin's press conference? Anything that stood out to you uh, outside of maybe the, the things we've highlighted already, the things that came out in neon, anything kind of below the surface you thought was interesting? Uh, yeah, I, I did think that the conversation about the running backs and and playing on instinct is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if curious is the right word because uh, just to give a little background here for, for people who uh, are not aware Mike Yersich said that they wanted to be last week during the buy said something to the effect of, we want them to trust their instinct. We want them to trust, um, to trust was kind of the word, right. But to, to, to carry those things that got them to this level, we want them to continue to have that and be careful to not go overboard in terms of instruction. And T Frank, I mean, honestly, I think that we've been having this conversation pretty much all year, right. About, (laughs) Yes. The notion of being overcoached and James Franklin said it last night. He was like, that's what you're concerned about, that you want to guard against overcoaching these guys. With the caveat, not that I'm saying that we're doing that. Right. right. So I, I don't think that it was an indictment necessarily on what's happened so far, but you're, you're trying to avoid that. You're trying to avoid a part where Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are are thinking and second guessing themselves while they're in the hole, right? Like yes. did, yeah. did they make the right choice at, because from the coach's vantage point, either up in the box or on the sideline and on film, it's a lot easier to make those calls to, to have that second guessing and yep. make those judgments after the fact. Um, and so the, the, the basis of it is look when what he's saying is look, Nick Singleton was the Gatorade player of the year and the big 10 freshman of the year, all of that stuff, because he's elite. He he's been doing this his whole life. Katron Allen, the same deal, right? These are, these are who these guys are. And Penn state is, I wouldn't say wary of it, but is at least aware of the fact that they, they, they don't want to get into a position where these guys are losing those elite qualities because they're, they're they're thinking too much. They're doing too much thinking. Fitz, looked like you had a follow-up. Did you, you want to add something to that? 
No, I had an inappropriate joke that I'm not going to make oh. on a podcast. Um, but <laughs> okay. no, we, we said it um, on uh, a couple of weeks ago, like overcorrection. Like we, you talk about yeah. overcoaching, but like overcorrection is, I think, kind of how they've dealt with it. And that's caused an issue. Like a, it's caused an issue with changing the way that they run. And as Nate said, second guessing yourself when, when you're in the hole. Like that's something that you absolutely cannot do is just, you know, think. So like no offense to these guys, but like you, you, you run off of instinct. These guys have run off of instinct all of their lives and yeah. it, it's served them very well. They're very talented backs. Um, but that overcorrection is, is really what's, you know, I think what's been holding them back. I, I don't, I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the collective back here, but it's a, it's a relief whenever we say something for two or three weeks and then you hear James Franklin say it independently. I doubt he watches the show. So I don't think he's like, you know what? They're right. That's how you should phrase oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, always, it's always a relief when it's like, he says it and I'm like, okay, whew, that was not so far off from what I was thinking. Uh, we did so it. Yeah, let's get to the game. Let's talk about Penn State's homecoming game. Um, somebody asked me yesterday, "Hey, why, why have it? Why have you been labeling everything homecoming?" I'm like, "Would you rather it be UMass? Which one's more interesting to you?" So we're talking about Ryan. the homecoming game. That, by the way, <laughs> uh, under the bus. Uh, that would be Ryan. <laughs> he just texted me last night. He's like, "Why is everything labeled UMass?" I'm like, "Marketing, baby." You know, we want people to be excited for homecoming. It has much more of a nostalgia feel. Uh, so let's get into the game. I don't think we're going to be talking specifically about UMass. Again, I, this is so disrespectful, and I apologize. But Penn State fans want to know about what to expect from this game in Penn State. Fitz, you said health is the number one thing. Getting to the Ohio State game full bore. Is there anything you're looking for from an on-field production standpoint, player personnel standpoint, that you want from this game to help with that? You want Venga Ione to continue to get more comfortable, like because you know without JB Nelson in there, you want to get him as many reps as possible, and uh, you know I think he can play his way into his potential. They're very high on him, but he's not there yet. Like, and that's not a that's not a cut on him or anything like that. He's still a young guy um, who is learning the ropes, and he's got a couple guys beside him. You know, you slot him in that left guard between Olu uh, Fashionu and Hunter Norzad. Like that's a great place to learn for a young guard. So, um, you know, hopefully he comes along. You want to see big plays. Like, and, and then that's the thing I wrote in my prediction, like no matter what Penn state does in offense, they score 50 points. Like nobody's going to be particularly impressed or particularly moved by it. I think, um, like it's, I'm not saying it's a no win situation, but like, you're not going to change anybody's opinion about, Hey, do it, do it against Ohio state, do it against Michigan. I mean, nobody's yep. opinion is going to change on that. Uh, we'll see um trey wallace back out there and i think that's very important in terms of getting his timing down those throws out to the, the to the boundary uh earlier this year very important for penn state's offense to function as a whole um be interesting to see if they need those long drives again this weekend they keep uh, they sustain what they've been doing on offense and what they've been doing well like i mean the, we talk about all the holes in the offense but they've done some some nice things in terms of ball control in terms of you know protecting the football you just want to see that continue but I mean, all eyes are still on Columbus at this point, at least in the fan base. Like, you know, you you yeah. got to focus because winning football games is hard and every week. And UMass has done a nice job in terms of like not turning around the program, but like infusing some talent into that program. They've used the uh, the portal well, you know, for a one in sixteen. They've used the portal well. They're putting up points. They they're throwing the ball uh, semi competently. You know, they've thrown. I know game script is a big thing for them, but they've thrown sixty nine times over the last uh, two weeks, and that's not yeah. really what Penn state has seen and they've actually completed 49 of those passes, which is definitely not what Penn state has, has seen. So I'll stop short of labeling this as a, as a big test for the secondary, but yeah, you know, it, considering what they've seen, it's, it's not far off. 
Uh, Nate, one of your observations about the defense. I'm just going to do a quick preview for the five things coming up tomorrow. Why Penn State was working on turnover and catching the ball on defense. That's coming up tomorrow. Uh, some of the stats I'm looking at here. Good, as Fitz just said, good completion percentage to their own receivers. But uh, there's some other stuff in there as well. Uh, but Nate, so this game from an attendance standpoint, James Franklin also highlighted, hey, uh, sell your tickets if you're not coming. Um, it doesn't matter in this game. Like, do you, do you expect this to be a poor turnout and kind of a sleepy affair? We've talked about slow starts before. The offense yeah. hasn't really started fast in any game so far this year, to my recollection. Um, is that important to you? And does the crowd have an effect on that? No, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't care about any of those things. I, I think that like people are either going to show up or they're not. It's the, mm -hmm. the tickets were $30, right? That was part of the, the, among the games that weren't sellouts at the start of the season, it was UMass and Rutgers that they, they had a special promotion to sell for $30. So maybe the people that paid those $30 a ticket to, to go uh, feel more inclined than the season ticket holders who have right. Like the entire opportunity to go all year and can just throw mm -hmm. their tickets away. Um, but other than that, I, I just, this is a team that Penn state has better athletes, it, it, right? Make plays that that's like, when I look at this game, it is, it is not about, uh, forgive me, chucking it deep. It's not about like the, the deep passing game. It's mm -hmm. not about anything other than on both sides of the ball, whether it's interceptions, forcing fumbles on defense or beat your guy. Right. And, and which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Okay. Like there's a reason that it doesn't happen that frequently, but you have an opportunity to not like out scheme and outsmart your opponent, but just be better than them. And yeah. so I, I do think that you want, it is important for Penn state. Uh, this is the, what, what did Josh Pate call it? X, Xbox coordinator coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to Xbox coordinator this uh, like you want to feel good. You want to feel good about yourself going into yeah. next week. You want to you want to have a vibe of like, hey, there's a muscle memory of of having an 80 yard touchdown, right? Like, yeah. get one of those in the bag so that you can go into this second half of the season feeling as though it's not a like Nick Singleton has admitted it, like not admitted it, but acknowledged it. This season has been frustrating for him at times. Mm -hmm. Right. I, th I think that uh, Keandre Lambert Smith ha has shared some of the same sentiment. Like these guys expected to make big plays all the time. And it, it just it hasn't happened. It hasn't come together for them necessarily the way that they have thought that it would have. So I do think that it's important in this game, particularly going into Ohio State to just, to just get a couple of those, get, yeah. get a couple of home runs and, and, uh, and see where the chips fall after that. How they do that is what I've been studying this week. Not the uh, if they'll score a lot of points, but you know where where might you see that come? And I think it'll be interesting to see uh, different parts of the offense if they function against a I don't want to say radically different, but definitely different than what they've seen defensive coverage scheme uh, than the first five games. Because I think that when you talk about this conversation of the explosive deep passing play. The defense has something to say about it, and they have faced a, a number of defenses specifically tailored to take away explosive passing plays down the field through certain areas as well. So, again, not to uh, not to promote tomorrow too hard, but 
That's what I'm going to be talking about on the show tomorrow is where might those big plays come from? So let's talk about those those points because you guys are giving Penn State a good number of points. Fitz, we're coming to you for your score prediction on the game. Yeah, um, I have Penn State, of course, winning big. Uh, the weather should play a factor in this, and I didn't really take that into factor when I made my prediction. 52 to 10 is what I have uh, for Penn State. I mean, I do think UMass can score. I don't necessarily know that it's going to be on Penn State's first team defense, but like they've scored uh, over 20 points five times, or excuse me, yeah, five times so far this year. They did it three times all last year. So there's elements of a team that can score. They can't stop anybody, but they can score. Um, quarterback Tyson Pumachan uh, of years ago portal fame penn state did some back channeling on that one and he never went into the portal from clemson then he eventually did go in from georgia tech he played at avon old farm so like there was a prior relationship he came to camp penn state recruited him so there was a lot of those logic points that we talk about when we're talking about portal guys um that was a guy that penn state explored he never went into the portal he ended up at georgia tech and then he ended up at, at umass he's uh you know he's thrown the ball pretty well the last couple of games again game script is 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 what it is uh, completed 76% of his throws against Arkansas State and 65% against Toledo in the last two weeks. Has thrown three picks in his last three appearances. I think that'll show up this weekend as well. So I think Penn State's going to have a chance to take it the other way um, and have an opportunity to, as much as UMass should be throwing the ball, and I don't know if it's going to be a complete downpour. I'm not a weather guy, and I don't want to talk about weather. Um, but it, it'll have some some sort of impact on this game. But yeah, I agree with Nate. I think you you want to hit those big plays. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you want to Xbox coordinate and just say, hey, get Nick Singleton to the outside one time, and and you know, let him bump it out and let him go, and and let him feel what running seventy yards unabated to the end zone, like with that <laughs> with that crowd around him, like let him know what that feels like again. Because once yeah. you recapture that feeling, you're like, all right, that's confidence. That's uh, that's where you want to be. And again. Timing and confidence is, is something this this offense needs to uh, to keep going to uh, you know to win a, a game next weekend that they can win um, that their defense is going to keep them in and they just you know got to carry their their part of it but this week should be able to do so UMass's defense not good not good at all uh, there was one run where he was outside against uh, Iowa and he was running so hard because he was in the open for the first time. I thought he might go super Saiyan or get to 88 miles an hour and uh, go back in time. Like he really wants to get into open field. You really wanted to get that one in, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> I was going to force that one in no matter what. Uh, Nate, what's your score prediction? I uh, listen, I feel like I got shamed at the beginning part of the season for not yeah. predicting enough points. And so I'm, I might be overcorrecting here. I've got 63 to six. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is I feel like this is weather aside the weekend where where maybe it does come a little bit easier, right? The the everything to this point in the season has been so textbook perfect in a lot of ways, right? The time of possession thing, the complimentary football, all all of those things have been so like, man, this is how you win football. You can beat anybody by doing it this way. And I, I think that that's good and well and something that will serve Penn State well down the season. But now it's time to stretch your legs a little bit. Okay. You, you get this chance that there is no risk of losing a game like this at home um, against this quality of an opponent. And so get it going. Like, yeah. just just get it going. And so instead of, instead of, you know, six, 10 play plus drives of five minutes or more, 
okay, work, work on your two minute offense this week, right? Like work, yeah. work it because truly I, I do think that it's uh, it, it had been a point. I, I don't know of emphasis, but like, that's, that's something that this program has wanted to be able to do and hasn't been able to do for years is to have a four minute offense. Yeah. All right. You got that. Check, check that box. You don't need to run it for the entire first and third quarter. What does what does the one minute offense look like? What yeah. what does the thirty second offense look like? Uh, and defensively, the same deal. I mean, just they're they're going to do what they do. The defense is is fine. They're, they're going to do what they do. Create yeah. turnovers, uh, all, all of that stuff. But you know, hey, maybe, maybe a, a few short fields that adds to the point total. Go from there. We'll see. Um, so. I will say it's been good that they did not hit a lot of explosive plays against Northwestern because people were angry and they were very active in the postgame show. Uh, coming up this T Frank, weekend. T Frank, can you put that comment from PSU fan 78 up there? Just about yeah. the chains. Yeah. Just move the chains, get some points. Big plays are not a W is a W. What internet are we living on here? Like that, that's not like, that's not acceptable to a lot of Penn state fans and, and including ones that follow the program very closely. Like that, that's not going to work. And T Frank, throws his body out as a meat shield after the post game show. And they're five and oh, I mean, like, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest here, but no, I, 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 we appreciate the comment. I just wanted to, to get that one in a, a win is a win does not, does not suffice against UMass. If I yeah. write that in my post game column, I'm sure I would be rightfully shredded. Yeah. You, you have to have, you have to have some level of higher aspiration than just winning a game like this. That I, like, I truly do believe that uh, when, when James Frank and this goes into every single game that they play. Yes. Obviously the win is the most important thing, but there's a reason that James Franklin rattles off all of these differential thing, right? Like they want to hit a, a certain percentage of explosive plays every game. They want to hit a certain number of turnovers every game takeaways right like those yeah. things are important and in a game like this it's magnified because you're you're not just uh you're not just playing the opponent you're playing yourself as well and mm -hmm. to be prepared for what's coming that that means that it's time it's time to uh to pass the test uh to to follow up the point that Fitz made um we'll be doing a live post game show against UMass and Northwestern people were angry about not getting explosive plays if they do get them I'm just asking the the thousands of people that are watching this here just check in for maybe five minutes against them because you're my co-host these guys are busy at the stadium doing their job I need someone to talk to and if it is a grassland and me and the cows in in the tailgate lot uh it's going to be a long post game show so I'm just it's UMass it's late in the year everyone is saving up all their nuggets for Ohio State just check in for a couple minutes of the postgame show appreciate that uh guys we have some speaking of uh nuggets we got some golden nuggets in the uh in the BWI mailbag I want to get to the chat has been great so we're going to get to that now First off, want to get to Blizzard warning. He says no comment. Just appreciate what you guys do. Appreciate you always being here. Hope you come back again uh, for the UMass post game show. Andrew Carl has some flamethrowers here that I want to get to. <laughs> he says, "Do you think PSU will stick to the ground game this week? Because historically, we see Massachusetts attacked and won if by land." Nate, yeah. listen, listen. Andy Carl is a friend of the program. He wants some attention. We'll shout him out. All right, hi, Andy. <laughs> 
Hello. <laughs> You've got a lot of great one-liners in there. He's Natalie back with another Bruglia. one. <laughs> yeah, that, that really got it for me. Will yeah. Adam Brenneman be listening to Natalie and Bruglia this week because he is torn during Saturday's game? I well do have done, an answer sir. to that. I do have an answer to that. Adam is calling uh, Army Troy this weekend, so he's not going to be at the game. I was actually yeah, just Adam. texting with him about, about it. So, you know, you get some information there, Andy. Uh, let's get to some of the questions from the Blue White Illustrated uh, mailbag from the Lions Den message form. Once again, the best way to get the best way to get your question featured here on the show. If you've got a great one-liner, sure, but we will answer and give some subst- substantive uh, conversation to things that come from the Blue White Illustrated mailbag over on the site. Great reason to sign up. Uh, so let's get to this one. This one's perfect for you, Fitz. This might be a better question for the Monday Recruiting Show, but Fitz is on both shows. Uh, so he's going to ask it here. I know winning doesn't hurt recruiting, but does winning outweigh NIL? Boy, that's tough um, because I don't know that we have enough um, evidence so far to say one way or the other because like the the really good, you know, the schools that jumped ahead with NIL, Texas A&M, Michigan State, did not follow it with winning. Miami, you could throw in there, but they've won up until this past weekend. Like those guys have seen, I don't want to say mass exodus. Well, I guess Texas A&M kind of did. Like you have seen an issue where it's popped up and these kids are getting there and thinking, okay, maybe this isn't what I plan. And maybe some people didn't follow through on their NIL. So I think it, as it continues to go along this path until we get to the revenue sharing and all that kind of stuff, which seems inevitable a couple, a couple of years down the road, like I think people are becoming more aware of how much this NIL is worth versus like, Hey, if I'm on a bad team, like, and you can make the NFL from a bad team, but like, I'm going to showcase myself as part of this program. And, you know, Georgia just lost a complete NIL deal to Miami uh, for a receiver. Like Mm -hmm. it's like nothing about that was recruiting or anything like that. It's going to be interesting to track that progress and see how many of those guys they're going to be able to, you know, turn, how many of these guys are going to be able to, you know, resist the, the allure of the NIL. Whereas George is fine. Like George is fine without him. George is winning. Like Georgia doesn't have sparkling NIL. Like it's not a situation where they're the most, you know, they're not Texas A&M in terms of, of throwing money around, but there's a balance there. Like you can make good money. You can also win championships. And I think that there's still a draw to winning championships. And, um, You've got to get there. I think, uh, you know, losing, as Rick just said in the chat, in the chat, losing is going to hurt you more than probably poor, probably more than winning is going to help you. Like if that, if that makes any sense. So I, I think it's, it's too early to make that determination, but I think it's a really good question. And I think it's something worth tracking. Um, and whether it goes to recruiting portal, uh, retainment, which is like something we don't really talk about enough is, is keeping your own guys to keep that nucleus, to keep your culture your program culture which is evolving at every school right now because of nil to keep that intact and penn state's done a really nice job with that um you haven't lost anybody to just straight nil deals and you know i'm curious to see if there's going to be a first guy that that makes that leap and then how that goes for that person and you know whether or not anybody joins and that's more of a it's more of a uh uh a nationwide type thing that not 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 singling out any guys at penn state um but i just think that's a very interesting um topic to balance which one is where which one is better but you look at the uh, the recruiting rankings right now and it's pretty much the usual suspects there's a couple of schools in there that i don't want to say don't make sense but like they're punching above their weight florida i know has like the number three number four class in the country yeah. georgia ohio state texas a&m is 
you know, it's, it's a draw. Like, I don't know what to say about that, but it's a draw. Alabama, Florida State's winning right now. Um, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Tennessee, LSU. So the recruiting rankings haven't changed a ton with NIL, but I think that there's, there's some sort of evolution there. Uh, next question. I feel like we've addressed this pretty well, but I want to add in just one thing quickly here from Penn State 2012. Besides staying healthy, what are your what are you looking for during the UMass game as a sign of success preparation for the Ohio State game? We covered that in the game preview, but I just want to throw in one final thing here, and you guys can respond uh, if you've got any other additional comments. Seeing the offensive weapons together, you know, we're expecting Trey Wallace to play. We're expecting. Um, Katron Allen to to be there like just that's my observation from the last couple of weeks of practice so having having a full complement of players what does that do to the offense and, and the balance of their ability to have everyone on the field and then create credible threats on both sides of the football uh you know like literally on the left and right side of the offense I think that's going to be interesting for me do you guys have any follow-ups of you know we covered most of this but any other nuggets you want to share here for Penn State 2012 all right uh yeah <laughs> let's move on for what it's, uh, for what it's worth further down the depth chart i think at receiver you want to see mm -hmm. them continue to take strides right you want to see uh fewer uh miscommunications there you want to see fewer drop passes like all of those that continued progress for that group because I'm, I'm not sure that we could say um as a whole as a as a unit that you have seen consistent progress right so start to do that okay well i'm coming back to you for this question then uh asks a name at wide receiver we're talking about now positively besides Kander Lambert, Smith, Dante Stevenson, uh, Trey Wallace of Healthy at the season's end. Um, I don't know that I would put in Dante Stevenson as somebody we're talking about positively, but um, who are you looking at in, in this game or going forward that Penn State needs to have a positive turnaround in that conversation, Nate? I, I mean, I think Omari is, is kind of the obvious answer there. I'm, I'm not sure... Right. I mean, Liam, maybe Caden, uh, maybe. But I, I do think that Omari is is the guy who really hasn't done anything to this point in the season uh, absent the second half of Delaware. Right. Mm -hmm. Who there were high, you know, relatively lofty expectations for before the start of the season. Uh, and so, you know, assuming that his health and situations are all cleared up and, um, you know, ca can be resolved by the time that you get to, to the meat of this back half of the schedule. Yeah, that's that's a guy who. Penn, Penn State, put it this way, <laughs> Penn State should hope that he makes that stride because if mm. he doesn't uh I, I do think that there are some some pretty significant uh questions there yeah right, right for for the receivers fits uh what do you yeah. think yeah i think with penn state to be at its best you know omari would be a, a big part of that like to to be able to stretch the field the way that he does and you know you get everything if you get everything for him to come together i'm going to say liam clifford because i think it's interesting to watch over the last couple of weeks, and we know, you know, the, the stereotypes and everything like that. But like, if if Liam is number two, I'm not sure he is effective as he is as a number three. Like we saw that early in the year, uh, making good plays out of the slot and doing some good things and 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 being a chain mover and things like that. I think he's more effective with Trey Wallace in the lineup. Like I know we we're talking about trying to find a guy to step up, but like I think he is. I think he provides more value in the slot as a third guy. You can move him around. You can play him outside. You you know with your um, with your 11 personnel as, as a third receiver, that's a pretty good option. So I'm interested to see what he does now that Trey's back in the lineup because I think he can be a more productive player as a number three than a number two. I, very well said. Absolutely agree with that 100%. He's been a very good third down option. He seems to have a good 
chemistry with uh, Drew Aller, but you're not relying on him to be a volume target guy. At least that hasn't been the way they've gone about it so far this season. So this next question from Poncho570. Uh, midway point of the season, uh, name your top three guys for the following. And I'll just say, give me one for each of these three questions. Older players who've exceeded expectations, the light has finally come on for you, number one. Number two, young players who've uh, been the most pleasant surprise. And number three, top D-squad player that you're expecting to solidly contribute next season. Uh, so that would be way too many guys, Poncho570. Uh, we'll do one each. Uh, so, uh, Nate, I'm going to come to you again. Give me, give me one for each of those. Oh, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> Older player who has exceeded expect. I'll do the easy one. Hunter Norzad. I, okay. I think he's been really good and, you know, it made the right call coming back. Younger player who has been the most pleasant surprise. Um, pass top, <laughs> top D squad player expected to uh zion tracy is he does he count that fits, he, i feel like you're uniquely tailored for this question yeah that's not me sorry i yeah. mean i was i was gonna say zion tracy as well but uh d squad Ooh. player um i did I'm it to see well i mean he's not really d squad like because he's traveling with the team and everything like that um d squad player would be kevy on keys and i'm interested to see penn state's um uh, you know numbers at linebacker next year to see if he's a guy that you know can step in as, as a redshirt freshman because I think physically he has the size, he's got the speed. He's he, he apparently is a pretty smart, coachable kid, um, but he has the ability to do that. And, and there's a lot of guys, and I've been writing about the freshmen uh, the last two weeks on BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. But you know, you just keep going back to, hey, this offseason can be very big for him, like because it's his first offseason in a in a strength program with Chuck Losey. Yep. That's when you see the gains for those guys. So I'll go with Kevion Keys, even though Zion Tracy is is a guy that you know I think is going to, if not start opposite Cam Miller next year, play a lot. And I think that they're they're very sort of excited with how his career started, maybe exceeding expectations there a little bit. So I'm I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Um, older players exceeded expectations. I mean, I I keep going back to Caden Wallace as playing as a guy that you know I know he's got some still has some gaps in terms of like uh, you know plays that come off and and you know misses i guess you would say but like he's been pretty good like uh norzad's a good a good thing uh you know we talk about the offensive line all the time i know people get frustrated with it when they watch it and then you go back and watch it and say well maybe it's not all on them so i'm gonna go with caden wallace and i'm interested to see if they do have to play him at guard what he looks like at guard like i think that's yeah. a, an opportune point to bring that up as well um again uh young guys who have exceeded i think zion tracy's in there um i, I mean we haven't seen a ton of king mac um the little that we have seen i've liked um it's kind of He's kind of gone behind. Um, does KJ Winston count in here? Like, uh, he's no. still a young guy. Like, he's still <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is. You're right. He's a <laughs> sophomore, and he just started for the first time this year. And I have to talk about him contractually obligated to do so. Everybody knows that. And he's yeah. been, he's been damn good. He's been he's been really good. Yeah. Um, going back to the first question, Daquan Hardy's been really good. Like. Mm -hmm. He's been really good, and 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 obviously next weekend is the litmus test for anybody in that secondary. Um, oh, yeah. But Daquan Hardy has done a really good job so far, basically playing receiver while playing defense. Like he has run routes for those guys. He's caught the ball. Um, he has been a playmaker on that defensive side of the ball. Opposing offenses have helped, as Nate has pointed out. But I think Hardy deserves deserves some credit there as well. Well, uh, Poncho 570 is going to get three players for each. That's all, folks. Uh, each position because we're all going to give di 
individual guys. Wow. Okay. Uh, number one, I would say Hakeem Beeman has been a pleasant surprise for me because you never, like he has been very inconsistent. And this year, I think the main thing he has done is become more inconsistent in his play, in his style of play, his size, everything. And that's something that Penn State desperately needed. I think he is on the other side of the same coin for uh, for Caden Wallace. And Tony Rojas has blown my mind uh, in terms of the the level of play, what his instincts at the position, coming from defensive end. You know, I always think that it's going to be hard for these guys to play in space because Tony, if you go back and watch his film, and I watched a lot of Fairfax when he was coming out of high school. He ran upfield on every single play. Like, he was just speed, explosiveness. You can't touch me as a, as a defensive end. And, of course, on the offensive side of the ball as a running back, kind of the same thing. So how do you play through contact? What are your instincts? How do you see vision of all those things? They've been excellent. They've been, like, for a freshman, really, really, really good. And then the physical side of everything, coming in in a lean 190 and being, I think, near 230, 227, like, moving from what we expected him to be is that Sam linebacker and he's, he's will like they moved him to will very quickly. So that's kind of blow my mind. And then the developmental squad player, you know, I, I don't have a good read on one of those guys. I'm curious where Alex Birchmeyer will be next year. So I think that's just, I'll, I'll leave curiosity there for him. Big, I just wanted to bring him up big, big off season for him, as we said, and I have more answers, by the way, uh, Adisa Isaac is a guy that I think a lot of people expected to get passed up. by denied in a Sutton. He's been excellent. Like he's been very good. I mean, Pick your poison in that defensive end room. They've all been good, uh, but he's a guy in there. And then, like in the same breath as KJ Winston, Zane Durant. Like I think we've we've moved him to a different category because we now expect more things out of him. He's been very good, for sure. Yeah, um, we're gonna stay on the defensive side of the ball, and this one coming to you, Fitz, because you were singled out. Since I know Sean loves these questions, when Manny Diaz leaves for a head coaching job after the season, meaning this one, wow, Losi's mustache coming in, uh, hot with this question and hot takes. Who would you put your money on as the internal promotion to defensive coordinator in twenty uh, for the twenty four defensive coordinator job? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I said it for years. It was Tim Banks, and Tim Banks got a coordinator job. Um, Dex, maybe uh, Terry's gotten opportunities to run defenses at some smaller jobs. Um, you know, I think you give him that chance if if that's the opportunity. But I think it would be an external hire, to be honest with you. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I, I'm reading the question now kind of different than uh, uh, than I took it in the first place, but I would go external. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to leave that one just to you, I'm Nate. I'm going to give you a, a break on that question. Blackheart8541. we got two more to get here on the show. So uh, this is more of a general football question, but also applied to PSU football this year. What are the advantages of the offense extending drives and grinding out time of possession other than the obvious limiting the other side of the ball from having uh, you know, offensive possessions. It's always talked about, including in the NFL, that defense is on the field too much and getting too tired. Does this not apply to the offense as well? Does the offense not get tired or worn down? Just don't get how it can separate the two and how the advantage goes to the offense. Thanks. Uh, uh, it's a great question, Blackheart. I think it's a genuinely, like, we talk about it in a one-sided thing, and it comes down to the nature of defense where... Um, even in Manny Diaz's defense, where you are dictating the flow uh, of the offense by the things you're doing, you're still a reactionary squad. Um, guys are having to react to receivers, and if they're fatigued, their fast muscle twitch like might not be as explosive. They might not get into position, and therefore you get more explosive plays because dudes are tired and they're chasing as opposed to the offense who knows where they're going. Kind of the same conversation about... Um, 
slippery fields, you know, snow on the field. Fitz, uh, Nate, do you guys have anything to add there as well? Because I think it's an interesting question, interesting conversation, but that's just my read on that. Nate, do you have, do you have a read on that? Uh, I think, I think that you control the pace offensively, uh, right. In terms of how many plays you're running. So that makes a big difference, right. defensively, you, like you said, I mean, it's not just reacting within the play. It's you are at the mercy of how many plays that opposing offense wants to run, whether it's tempo or not. Um, that, you know, it's just, it's just, look, Mike Yersich gave the best answer that I've ever seen regarding controlling the game to me this summer, uh, just about how Penn State's running backs allow them to do that. But that being the overall goal, right, is is you want to dictate the terms of this engagement. And by having the ball, by possessing the ball offensively, that is part of it. That is, that is part of the equation, or it can be part of the equation. It doesn't have to be the only way uh, to win offensively, but it, it's a, it's something that is is – uh, an extremely valuable tool uh, to possess. Fitz, got yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a push-pull situation. Like, I think it's easier to, you know, impress your will onto somebody rather than have to sit there. As a defense, you're, you're, you know, it's harder to stop them scoring than it is to score. And I know it's hard to score, but, like, it's like you have to – you don't know what route they're running. You don't know how they're going to, you know, attack you and things like that. You, you think you have a general idea, but, I mean, it's – it's called on the offensive for a reason. Like you're, 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 you're dictating the purpose, you're dictating the pace, you're dictating all that stuff. So, and that defense gets tired out fast. I mean, it's like, it, it's honestly like it's going into the gym and doing a, you know, a bench press, a chest workout versus doing like a, like a hit CrossFit. Like you're, you're going to get different kinds of tired. And by the end of it, like by the end of your chest workout, you're, you're fine. You can work, walk out of there by the end of your hit workout you're like gasping for air. I mean, that, that's offense and defense right there. So like, that's kind of where you put yourself in terms of like the fourth quarter, like you, you make those calls, you dictate how things are going on offense. You kind of got to sit there and wait to see what happens on defense and then chase it. And chasing is exhausting. Rick gets to the the core of the mailbag with this. He says, no question, just a shout out. Really enjoy this format late in the week with you guys chatting, answering questions, giving extra commentary. Yeah, the the information, the news, the hard stuff that you can get over at bluewhiteillustrated.com, uh, you got to get it there. But we're going to provide some context and give you a good conversation. Uh, the things you can't always get specifically out of an article that is, you know, a thousand words, even if it's that long. So I appreciate Rick acknowledging what we're trying to do here on the show. One last question. Uh, this one directed at me, but you guys can answer as well. T Frank, listening to you talk on the KSN show, I heard you say that it seems like Penn State has been running from their base offense most of the time. When they need to come to expand back uh, on that base offense, are you expecting to see some Penn State attack the seams and the middle of the field, or is that something that Mike just doesn't feel they can utilize this year? Yeah, so that's something I talked about uh, with what we saw last year with the tight ends specifically of attacking up the seams, attacking, you know, over the middle of the field with those players. And Sean Clifford did that stuff. We have not seen that from, uh, from, from Drew Aller. And that's an open question, David. Uh, I don't actually know the difference of, is that they don't feel like it fits the offensive style they want to go for this year? Or is that, uh, you know, each quarterback likes different plays. And if Drew likes the comeback routes on the outside and he wants to, he wants to feast on those, then they're doing what is best situated for him and for this offense. When I say the base offense, I, I should also clarify. Uh, I'm mostly talking about the run game, 
when it comes to the base offense, where that's where a lot of the foundational pieces and play actions and RPOs come off of those looks to influence the defense. Uh, it's also the part I, I think I understand a little bit better, and you know I want to make that clear that I'm I don't know everything about everything. I don't I'm not in the offensive meeting room with Mike Yersich. but when it comes to the offensive run plays, we've seen a lot of the base uh, plays. But the formational tweaks that he's used, we've seen them selectly of two tight ends in the backfield, the pistol formation, the offset pistol formation. We've seen them just a little bit, but do we see an expansion of any of those ideas later in the year? And that's where you're never going away from your base offense. You are just tweaking it either formationally or with some other, um, uh, I don't want to say trick, but some other advantage you're trying to gain to run the same play, uh, but for you know, to, to attack the defense in a different way. And there's things in the playbook that we saw last year that we haven't seen this year, including tight end usage. So I think that's kind of just my context of the base offense versus what they could do and what they've done in the past. Um, and I hope that gives a little more context. Do you guys uh, have any other thoughts you want to add on that, Fitz? Drew can make those throws to the outside. And I, I'm Sean could sometimes, but like nobody's going to make those throws as regularly as you're seeing Drew make them. And he's still a young quarterback. He started five games. Young quarterbacks stay out of the middle of the field. That's that's what happens. Like, and I think that that's part of that's with a purpose. Part of that is probably sort of an unconscious decision there uh, by Mike Yersich to take the risk out of it. And that's, you know, they've been risk averse. Obviously, you know, I think that's been well documented. And uh, he's still averaging forty points a game, so that helps. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably what they would they would come back to you with. Well, I mean, it seems to be working right now, even if it's not working the way that we sort of drew it up or the way that uh, fans want it to to happen. It's it's still working in certain uh, in certain ways and uh and i think it comes down to what the weapons that they have on the outside like i think uh again getting trey wallace back i think is is going to be a big deal like it's going to be a situation like i don't know how many, how many times you look at the film over the last three weeks and you just say there's there's something missing here and you can pretty clearly identify that it's trey wallace like it's yeah. not a situation where you're like hey where's the missing piece well he's on the sideline he's wearing sweats or whatever he's doing. So uh, I think that that's a, that's a big deal. And, you know, you, hopefully things will, will click the way that they clicked a couple of times early in the season. Uh, Nate, some quick final thoughts here. Uh, we're getting to the end of the show. We're on the red line. So I just want to get you guys out of here, at least semi on time. What do you got coming up to this week and tomorrow? Blue white illustrated.com. Uh, great question. Lots of stuff. stuff. <laughs> lots, lots of great, great, depth great charts. Products. How about that? Listen, listen <laughs> I wanted to get through this. I do have grades uh, on mm -hmm. the defensive side of the ball from the first uh, five twelfths of the season that I, I will share, I, I guess, on Friday. But no, I, you know, I go into the show with an open mind and then on the backside, I, I, I kind of figure out what's next. I, I do think I'll probably have some, some basketball stuff there too uh, over the next couple of days. But um, yeah, we'll see. That's what you call a creative process. You don't want to rush it. You can't rush it. But it'll be great when it happens over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We'll have uh, more shows coming up Friday, Saturday, the tailgate show. It's going to be freezing, and ES and I are going to be out there talking about Penn State football, getting you ready for the game against UMass. And, of course, like I said, I'll be here on the postgame show. Fitz, Nate, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate all your hard work. And we will be back again with more Penn State football talk. It's Ohio State next week. So uh, get your get your pitchforks and your uh, your lanterns. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be super intense next week. Anyway, we'll talk to you later.
Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.